This is the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Boundaries or burnout, you make the choice. Here's your host, Michael Levitt. Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. I'm Michael Levitt, and today I have a really special guest that I know personally, which is always fun when you have opportunities to talk with people that you know. Uh, I have Mike Rosenberg from WPV Corp. Uh, WPV are world leaders in creating solutions for harassment, sexual harassment, and workplace violence. Not that we have any of that in our culture today, unfortunately, but we do. So this organization exists to help your organization uh, do things the right way. So, Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate uh, having, and it's always fun to talk to you and a person whom I personally respect enormously, and that uh, says a lot because I don't use that phrase very much. Well, I appreciate that, and uh, the feeling is definitely mutual. You know, the work that uh, you're doing and I'm doing definitely has a lot of synchronicities together. So, looking forward to our conversation today. So, uh, tell the audience a little bit about WPV Corp um, and you know why why you launched it and 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 the work that you're doing today. Well, tech, uh, WPV is a technology based uh, solution, complete comprehensive solution to uh, workplace violence, harassment, sexual harassment. The idea is that, you know, we've created a series of tools based on a three-pillar system. And the three pillars are very easy to understand. One is prevention. You know, an ounce of prevention is always worth a pound of cure. And if we can stop things before they happen, that's always better for both organizations and individuals. The second is reaction. Uh, the second pillar is reaction. Do things do happen. Whether you have things in place or not, you're always going to have things that happen. And so you have to be able to react to them in real time, uh, you know, in a confidential way and in a way that, you know, both protects the individual and protects the organization. And then the third area is enforcement. So the technology, you know, we, we do workplace violence investigations, things like that. But we also, the technology also helps track uh, any incidents so that people know that they don't get lost in this shuffle and that they're addressed uh, uh, completely according to law. And I think that that's, you know, and as I said, it's a very simple solution uh, using technology and, and using people who are trained in that area to help prevent and respond to incidents in real time. It's a great product because I think one of the things that I've seen uh, in in working with corporations and organizations is whenever there's improper behavior uh, by either employees or management, oftentimes people feel trapped because they don't feel that they can comfortably report it because you know, they don't want to lose their own job or you know, they don't want to cause a, a big riff. And we know in, in Canada and in Ontario, there's been legislation uh, and even in the states now thankfully that are uh, that are popping up across the country to address uh, harassment and I think one of the things I, I really want to hammer home with the audience today is the importance of having an external group or investigator take a look at things because oftentimes there's biases when it comes to investigations whether it's nepotism favoritism um, again you know maybe the HR director doesn't want to get involved with a, a situation that it, uh, could be problematic and sweep it under the rug and we've seen that we see it in the news all the time of organizations that unfortunately have 
either swept things under the rug or um, paid people off to uh, basically not have to deal with these things. So uh, talk a little bit more about, you know, the importance of having a third party investigator uh, when situations like this arise. No, I, and, and I agree with you 100% because what the system does is that it creates an independent third-party ombudsman in a, in, a, in, a, in a real world sense. So an independent third-party ombudsman is somebody who will address the issues and create accountability uh, that is independent of senior management. I mean, where does you know, harassment exist? I mean, you don't see the janitor harassing the CEO or sexually harassing the CEO. You know, workplace violence is, uh, is, and workplace violence itself, even especially in healthcare, is, is a huge issue. And a lot of times, it, you know, it's, it's better, it's more expedient for senior management to sweep it under the rug because it can affect their funding, it can affect a, a number of things. What we do as a third party is we hold everybody accountable equally. And, you know, you're right, Michael. I mean, you know, you have the senior person in HR, they may be a great person, but I mean, Harvey Weinstein at Weinstein Company had a senior vice president of human resources. And I mean, what is, you know, what, did, what, would have, what would have happened if that senior vice president went to Harvey Weinstein and said, you know what, we've got complaints of uh, sexual harassment, we've gotten complaints of inappropriate behavior, and we're going to investigate it. And, you know, we think that there may be, you know, that there may be a serious cause for your behavior. What do you think Harvey would say? He'd say, you know, thank you very much. Don't let the door slam hit you on the way out. I mean, you know, this is the problem. And the problem, fundamental problem, especially with harassment, sexual harassment, is it's about power differential. You know, it isn't about gender. People think it's about, you know, gender. It's not. It's about power differential. And you see that in the news. I mean, you see when there's a power differential for whatever reason, whether it's a big star, whether it's a, uh, you know, a senior executive. Or things like that, and in the even in the area of workplace violence, um, which we've done work as as, my, as you know, Michael, within healthcare, especially where you know, especially in the nursing profession, which deals with uh, you know workplace violence, very you know, and and people literally physically being assaulted, you know, that there's the inclination that let's just make this go away, and you know, because it doesn't really impact the senior executives in the same direct way that it impacts front workers and you see that in, in retail and you see that in you know restaurants and, and the food industry you know the, the people who really have you know most danger in workplace violence are not the senior people they're the they're the most junior people so by creating that third-party ombudsman you create a system that's safe you know that's confidential um, within the law and and within all the previews of all the various laws and and you know you hit on the head again I mean the laws right now, there's a proliferation of new laws. Not And right now, I would have said, if you asked me two years ago or even a year, a year and a half ago, who had the most comprehensive laws around workplace violence and harassment, sexual harassment, I would have said Ontario with Bill 168 and Bill 132. But now I'd have to say it's California and it's growing. And now there's even bills in the United States that mandate across the entire U.S., Things like, you know, you won't be able to do uh, private settlements anymore, confidential settlements. And so what that's going to mean is your insurance companies are going to start putting a lot of pressure where they used to want to settle these things. They're not going to settle. They're going to fight them in court and their premiums are going to go up. And there's a whole bunch of problems happening. And, you know, I am glad because I think that it's time that this action has been done. And the only way that you can really completely mitigate your risk is to have somebody else assume that risk. 
And that's what WPV does. You know, we, we, I don't want to say we take on all your risk, but we share the risk with you. And we help mitigate the risk because we do everything in our powers to prevent it from happening, to create a confidential system, and to be completely independent of the corporate structure and, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the corporate, um, what am I trying to think of? The, like the corporate org chart. And we're, we're completely independent of the org chart. We don't, dep- you know, and there's nobody in the organization who, um, and our contracts ensure that, you know, our jobs are not dependent on the whim of some one person in the organization. And that's crucial. And I, I, the nurse bullying component, I, I, I take dear to heart. You know, I spoke at the Becker's Healthcare Conference in May of 2018, and we talked about nurse bullying and burnout and how the industry in healthcare, especially, um, it's one of the most dangerous jobs out there is to be a nurse. And Actually, it's, it's, as far as workplace violence goes, it's, it's number one, not even close. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, so I mean, it, within Canada and the Internal Nurses Association sent me this statistic, and, and it was interesting. Uh, health nurses have six times more days lost due to workplace violence than manufacturing, mining, and retail combined. That's an alarming stat, and we're seeing new nurses that are a couple of years into their career leaving the profession because of this. Well, and you know, one of the things we've been working on, which I think is exciting in healthcare, is how do you handle, for instance, workplace violence when you're dealing with dementia or Alzheimer's patients or psych, you know, or people who are not legally responsible for their actions, whether it's, you know, in a psychotic episode. And so uh, we've been starting to work toward how we can apply this when the workplace violence is directed at in healthcare by people who are not competent. And so this is something we've kind of uh, started, you know, it's within our preview of workplace violence, but it's kind of a new area that we've really started collaborating with some health, some top experts in geriatrics from McMaster University um, in in their medical school and and, uh, some of the folks around that. Because again, I mean, you, you have, you know, workplace violence, is the three components, right? You have harassment, you have sexual harassment, but you also have actual play- violence where people safety is in danger and healthcare is definitely the top area for that. And it's going to get worse. Yeah. And especially with the geriatric population aging, as we know in the next 18 years in Ontario, anyway, uh, the population over age 65 is going to double and over age 90 will triple. So all of these nuances that we see today will double and triple unless we do something about it. One question I have for you too that jumped out at me just now is in going through all of these uh, examples and and the work that you're doing, has anything surprised you as far as discoveries? Uh, My hunch is probably not knowing you, but uh, was there anything (laughs) that's jumped? Uh, Because, you know, one of my favorite quotes is from the late Detroit Pistons head basketball coach Chuck Daly and his quote was a pessimist is an optimist with experience. I I hate to say this, but you know, you know, I shake my head because you know, I, nothing surprises me. You know, I, I guess I, what surprises me most is, you know, how much many people, how much corporate executives will virtue signal. But when it comes time, when you offer them a full solution, they will run the opposite way. 
and how much they still, they still want to, no matter what's happened, they still want to sweep all this stuff under the rug. And as I said, even just getting an investigation sometimes, I've got one that I've been looking at and they've contacted me three, four months ago and they're just trying to, you know, and this thing has been going on for seven years <laughs> and you're kind of like, holy cow, you know, why didn't you deal with this seven years ago? It's reactive. It's a reactive culture as opposed to a proactive culture. Yeah, and unfortunately, in, in this line of work, oftentimes, even with the work that I do with people that are burned out, is they're coming to you way long into the process or process, depending on what part of North America you're from. And they are just a mess. And if they would have been proactive, uh, they still could have come to us and got the help that they needed to prevent something. But oftentimes in this role, you know, we show up with the, with the mop bucket and the mop and we do a lot of cleanup work first. And then um, we start working in, uh, in tandem with the organization to implement ways to make sure that employee behavior and management behavior is all on, on the same page. Uh, and that's, that's something that takes time to transform. But again, um, the, the risk mitigation is a huge component of it because, again, the organizations, the reason why they sweep things under the rug is they don't want to end up in the front page or on TMZ or um, yeah. in the Twitter feed or anywhere else because um, news like that tends to spread like wildfire. Well, and I think that that's the biggest difference I've seen in the last two years. And I think you're right, Michael. I think that's one of the, the heartening co components is that, like, when you ask me what surprises me, I mean, nothing about human behavior anymore surprises me. I mean, you know, as I said, it's, um, you know, they're, they're bullies at every, you know, at every level. There are people who, you know, abuse their positions of power. Um, you know, there are people who, you know, you just, you know, they have gotten where they have gotten by being the worst kind of people you can be, you know, and I think even, you know, I think it's interesting, even, I mean, even your own case, you know, taking kind of an over an organization that had, you know, um, very high turnover rates, you know, had issues of morale and things like that. And, and the work you've done as, as a leader within your organization and, and the work we've done together you know, you start to look at even the benefit of it and the benefit of it, of being preventative for the organization is it helps you attract good talent. It helps you retain good talent, you know, and that is becoming more and more critical. And I think you've seen this in the last, really in the last uh, six to nine months is that the economy has started to heat up. More people have jobs. Well, guess what? If more people have jobs, and they have options, they will leave that organization's bully, and they're going to end up with just people who can't get work, and it's going to start impacting any organization's bottom line, even if it's in, the, in whatever sector it is, because and I think even it's going to be even more critical in healthcare, because healthcare right now has, is at a record low unemployment rate worldwide, right, because the population's aging. And it's only going to get more critical. And so you're going to start to see more demand for talent, especially, you know, and the first thing people will respond to, I mean, it's Maslow. You know, the first area you respond to is your basic needs. And safety is, is the next ring, rung up. It goes basic, you know, feeding yourself, things like that. And so if there's a, uh, a job, people put up with it because they need the money. But once they start to have the money, the next level up is safety. If they're not safe in that organization, they will leave and they will go somewhere else in two minutes. And you start to see that with turnover rates. Yeah. And you, you know, the right on the head, what'll happen is you start getting 
people in place that aren't quite the right fit or the right culture match or the skill set. Because if your organization isn't operating in a a best practice type of way, then you're going to lose the good talent to other places. Uh, And, and it's, it, it will definitely create uh, some challenges in, in, in the healthcare sector as well, uh, especially in the U S and I anticipate that we will see this in Canada as well, not to alarm any of my Canadian friends, but you know, we're seeing several hospitals close in the U S. Um, there's a lot of consolidation going on. So what will happen is, you know, the really good talent are going to go to the really good health systems. And depending on where you live, you may not get uh, good health care. I've seen that up close and personal with um, some situations that my parents dealt with in, in the last six months as far as uh, the health care that they've received. Um, both my parents have been hospitalized in the last nine months. Uh, my dad's experience was absolutely incredible. Uh, my mother's was atrocious. Um, and I'll leave it at that. Uh, but it's one of those challenges that you, we face. And what's going to happen is, depending on where you live, you may have some really, really good top talent or you may not. And that all goes down to how the organization is behaving and how they are uh, running their organizations uh, in all different facets, not just in, in behavior, but uh, the, the strength of the leadership and the demands of everything that's going on. Well, and you know, that, that's, a, that's, that's a great point because, you know, has you see from every survey that's been done on millennials, right? And this is the next generation coming up here. You know, who's going to be taking the jobs? Um, The millennials really are very focused on a lot of things like, you know, lifestyle issues. And they're very focused on, you know, a lot of ethical issues. So the things that matter to people are literally going to be, for a lot of these millennials, is how they're treated. And you're going to get the best people. And it's natural inclination. I mean, you know, if you hate your job and you hate where you work, you may love your work, but hate where you work. And if you hate where you work and you're in demand, you'll find a place that treats you well, that you're safe. And, you know, you'll travel for that because we live in a global society now. I mean, you know, the idea, I mean, you know, where you grow up in a town and you live in that town, you know, you can't ever leave that town. I mean, now you can commute from that town, you know, in 800 different ways to anywhere you want to go. And so I think that this is a, a key element. And so organizations that start to put these things in place, you know, I always say it's the carrot and the stick. I mean, obviously you have a, a, a plethora of legislation that is the stick. You know, if you don't do this, like you said, you'll be shamed in the, in the court of public opinion, which is going to cost you customers and everything else, like IE Uber you know, is, is a good example of that. Um, you know, we're really Uber, you know, kind of had the meltdown and, and, you know, has, has lost a lot of talent and now they're being very much taken over, but you know, their, their market share has been eaten up by Lyft because of a lot of people were upset how, you know, they're with the, within the sexual harassment and, and the harassment realm. But at the same time, you know, the, the carrot is, is that, you know, when you would start to look for the best people, you know, they're going to start looking at if your salary compensation is, you know, within the realm of where it should be at, they're going to start looking at things like, you know, 
yeah, you know, what is it like to work here? Am I going to be safe? Am I going to be protected? Am I going to, you know, am I going to have to, you know, are you going to have a zero tolerance and are you going to have systems in place that protect me that I know protect me? Because again, you know, if, if you tell us like one of the things I think is that surprised me <laughs> a little bit, you know, and I hear this story from, from several organizations, we have great internal systems and that's my favorite oxymoron, <laughs> you know, great and internal, you know, I don't care how great your internal system are, you know, but one organization who is bragging about their system was basically telling me that you, you, and this is a big corporation said, if you're a, you know, you want to make a harassment complaint, you have to go to your manager first. And then they determine whether it's, you know, whether it's reasonable to proceed. I said, well, what if the manager is harassing? Well, then you can go to the senior manager. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, um, great. And so the manager who, you know, who's buddies with the senior management is going to decide whether the harassment is. Well, you're seeing turnover in that organization because people look and say, you know, I don't want to work here. And they wonder why they have turnover issues. So, you know, because there is competition for good talent. And rightfully so, there should be. Um, because organizations uh, need to create the right environment that's supportive for their employees. Uh, doesn't matter if they're baby boomers or millennials or us forgotten Gen Xers. Um, we, we definitely uh, want to make sure that our environments are, are safe uh, because we spend a ton of time at work and we want um, everything that we need. And, you know, we're coming to work with, um, sometimes some personal challenges and baggage uh, and other things that are impacting our, our personal lives. But, you know, we come into work and it can, work can be a place where we can focus on something else besides challenges that we're facing at home. And if the work environment is toxic or horrible, then um, where do you turn? And it, it really creates uh, some problems for you know, high stress and burnout and everything else because there's you're getting it from every direction. You, you feel like oh. a pinata. Mike, Michael, I couldn't agree with you more because you take it even further. Is that you know you take the stress out from work at home. Now it becomes domestic abuse. You know, I mean, it ruins so many lives. You know, it it, it impacts on so many lives, and you know, it's you know because you know if if, if you can't be there because you're dealing with the work and you take it out at home, all of a sudden your children and their lives are impacted. You know, um, you know, your home life's impacted, you know, your health is impacted, you know, it, it, it's a domino effect. And so, you know, if you can come to work and feel good and feel safe about where you are, you know, and, and it almost doesn't matter what your job is. It matters about the, the environment. And, and, you know, as I said, I mean, you know, I, I guess cause I used to be in the film industry many years ago and actually had my screenplay option by Harvey Weinstein, ironically enough, at one point, um, you know, you see this and, you know, you ask people, you know, do you like working for, for Weinstein or before that Miramax? Well, of course, because they're in the film industry and it's, and it's prestigious and it's, you know, glamorous and they're making good money. So, you know, he preyed on that. I mean, he, you know, and there's, and he's not the only one who preyed on that. There's a lot of people who preyed on that in positions of power. Right. And so, you know, it was, you know, I wanted to, always wanted to do this and then, you know, you're, you're in the middle of hell, but you love what you do, but the people you have to go around to do it for are, you know, literally like the devil, you know, like you have to make your bargain with the devil. So, 
you know, and, and again, it, it impacts every element of their lives. And you see this all over. And, you know, as I mean, I can't emphasize enough that, you know, and again, going back to that third party ombudsman is that the idea has to come from external. If you have no external force to no external enforcement, I mean, could you imagine a society without police? Right. I mean, if we just said, oh, you know, we can handle all our domestic problems on our own, you know, within the home. We don't really need uh, police around here. You know, um, could you imagine society without police? Because our police are an independent third party force that enforces the law. You know, and this is, you know, but yet we have corporations that or in organizations that do not have that system, you know, and they're paying a price for it. That's a great analogy about the police force and being an independent third party, um, which they are. And it's, uh, and it keeps things in check. And I think organizations like yours uh, can help organizations keep themselves in check, protect the organizations, protecting the employees, protecting the board of directors, uh, reduce liability. You, you, well, or insurance you, rates. I mean, I'm, I'm speaking yeah. to an insurance panel in a couple, you know, in a few weeks. I'm doing another uh, webinar for uh, the Professional Liability Underwriter Society as a follow-up to our one on after Weinstein. We did it in January, and we're talking about the rates, and, and the rates are going up and because whether it's employee liability insurance or directors and officers insurance, you know, and I think that one of the things, especially for organizations, is, and this is a new thing, which they're doing in New York State, but the Attorney General in New York State is going after Weinstein's board of directors on a criminal level, you know, for aiding and abetting rape. <laughs> I mean, you know, because they said that they should have known. And so that they should have known and, be, and that they knew and they didn't do anything about it. And because they didn't do anything about it, they aided and abetted a criminal act. So now you're going to see directors and officers being held liable, not just civilly, but criminally. And within Ontario, within Canada, now, one of the big changes, that, you know, which is under the radar, but I think that one of the biggest changes isn't even just the law, but the fact that the courts have ruled that harassment is now a civil tort. So that's a big deal. So now if, if you have a tort under civil law, that means you can sue somebody and you can sue uh, an organization and you can sue an individual for it. And, and that's already set a precedence with Boucher versus Walmart Canada and Merrick, uh, Mar Merlin versus uh, the attorney general's office. This is now a civil tort. That means that if you are doing egregious behavior, you know, you can lose your home in your organization. And if you, you know, and, and they can go after you, not just for a few penalties, but they can go after your organization for multi-millions of dollars. It's definitely a game changer. And it's also a situation to really install accountability in every level of an organization from, you know, the, the front lines all the way to boards of directors to make sure that uh, we're, we're playing nice in the sandbox and we're doing things the right way and we're, we're treating people with, with respect and kindness and uh, we're not uh, doing all of the gossiping and bullying and flying monkeys for all you mental health workers, you know what that means, and all the other stuff that goes on in, in organizations on a daily basis. So 
This has been awesome. We could probably talk for a month on this. I know, Michael. Sure. Well, we'll have to do a follow-up. And I really do, uh, you know, I, I, I want to thank you for having me on and, and make sure we, we can also visit the website of WPVCorp.com. And if it's okay, I'm going to set up a link between us. Absolutely. By all means. Yeah. And uh, we'll put all of that stuff in the show notes. Is there any other things you'd like to share with the audience today before we go? You know, I guess, you know, really the best prevention is common sense. <laughs> I know it sounds kind of silly, but you know, I mean, really just treat people the way you want to be treated and guess what, you know, or the way you'd want your kids to be treated. And guess what? You know, you're probably going to prevent all this stuff from happening. Yeah. Yeah. Amen to that. Amen to that. So Michael, thank you again for your time today. I really appreciate you and, and Michael, the work thank that you're you. doing. And until next time, be well. Hey, it's Michael again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're like many people, you're dealing with some significant stress and possibly approaching burnout. I know how you feel. In 2009, my burnout led to a year of worst case scenarios. I do not want that to happen to you. If you go to breakfastleadership.com, you can register for a free webinar on burnout prevention, as well as get as a free checklist to have successful mornings. Start off each day the right way. Again, that's at breakfastleadership.com. Also, since you are a loyal podcast listener, I'm asking you to like, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. I look at all the reviews and appreciate your comments, and it helps other potential listeners discover the content I have on the show. I appreciate you, and thanks again for listening.